Hello and welcome to Lore Watch Roundtable, freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's the other lore-focused writer over on Blizzard Watch. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Secondly, we've got our other lore aficionado and shaman columnist extraordinaire, and that would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> Why do we always sound so weird? I don't know. I uh, have, just said hello. Ha- have you met us? Yeah, probably. We're, we're a little on the outside. I think that's why our listeners like us. I would hope so. Anyway, so this week we, I, I know last time we had like a really extra long episode, which was not intended. But when you talk about Jaina Proudmore, it can take hours just because she has that much going for her. We got a whole mess of emails this week that we'd like to go ahead and address and answer on the show. And if you have an email for the show, you can email podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure that you put lore watch in the subject line if you are going to email us about this particular show so that we know that it's intended for us to answer here rather than on the other one. Um, So yeah, we've got quite a few emails and a lot of these have multiple questions. So I think we're just going to go through them one at a time. Is that okay, guys? Sure. Sounds good to me. Okay. Our first one is from Io's a Night Elf Hunter on Madarin? Madoran? I think Madarin. Okay. That doesn't sound like any server. I don't think I've ever heard that server name before. Ever. That's weird. Okay. Anyway, uh, Io says, greetings, story stalkers. I have a few questions. Sorry that some of them are a little long. Question number one. Do we know how the Imani Troll Empire faced or fared during Arthas' campaign through the Ghostlands? Were they just walled up in Zolomon? Yes. Pretty much, yeah. They just kind of were there not trying to be bothered by anybody or anything. If you look at the actual Dead Scar, um, it bisects Troll at territories. It does not touch Zolomon by itself. Uh, Zolomon is significantly isolated from it. So yes, basically there were some trolls. There were some of the Amani out in the outskirts of the troll territory that got hit, but mostly they were they were already pushed back pretty far by the elves. Uh, basically, if you watch the Z the Zulaman trailer way back in the day when it first came out, the one that was the opening where you find out what happened to a uh, Zuljin, you basically find out he, he and his people got pushed back after the the second war. The elves and the humans pushed them back. They, they got driven all the way back, basically behind the walls. So by doing that, they essentially got saved. They were in, in good shape they, because they, they, they'd already lost all that territory. To be fair, I don't think that Arthas really had any business with the trolls anyway. He didn't care. Yeah, they no. that, they, that wasn't what he was there after or anything. And if the elves, you know, if the elves had moved, yeah, like if they'd let him just take the sun well, which of course was unthinkable, but had they let him do it, he probably would have killed less of them. He, he probably would either. have ignored the majority of them because he just didn't care. That wasn't what he was after. And, you know, with the Imani behind the wall like that, there was there was no reason for them to come out. If I remember right, weren't they behind the wall? And that was like part of the original Zulaman was you had to like open the wall. Yeah, yeah you, you had, had to, the, the giant gate with the gong and everything. That was the big opening sequence. Yeah. So, I mean, they had a few places. If you go, if you, you, you I know you've, you've played through the... Uh, Blood Elf starting zone. There's so a many few, times. <laughs> there's a there's a few places where the uh, Amani are out, but not not much at all. The the enormous amount of the Ghostlands and Eversong are completely free of them. Well, what's cool about that too is that like during the uh, the Scourge invasion, like the Armani, they are the Amani wanted like 
to they were watching this ret- what was essentially retribution. They had been pushed back and, and murdered and splintered and, and driven behind their walls. And then they watched these elves that had been warring with them and, and been, you know, basically taking this fight to them for how long at this point start to get overrun by the scourge and die and everything else. And they're just like, yeah, this is really cool. It's not us this time. Sweet. And then afterwards, that's when they started like breaching past the wall and starting to hit some of the elf settlements. Like, you know what? This is our opportunity. Let's go forth. So I thought that hey, was. Hey, remember that big dead guy? He weakened the heck out of them. Yep. Let's take advantage of this. And I, I, I think that's a very troll thing to do. Well, I mean, I just, I was just writing about the origins of the, the elves. I don't know. We probably have more questions to answer. So let's just go on with the questions. Otherwise, I could be talking about this all day. <laughs> I just wrote to know your lore about it. Okay. Well, question number two. It's, it says, in Chronicle Volume 1, it talks about the ty- Titans as being colossal godlike beings composed of the primordial matter from which the universe was made. They roam the universe like walking worlds. Does this mean that when Azeroth's world soul matures, the world Azeroth will become its body and will be able to still live and fight for it? We don't know. This is such a good question because we have no idea. See, I mean, I, we don't know if world souls leave the planets that they're from or if the planet becomes the body of the titan and like we really have no idea we don't know how big the titans actually are we know they're big enough that when um amanthul reached down and plucked out oh god uh yashraj yeah when 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 he did that he ripped the original well of eternity out of the planet but we don't know if he reached down a couple of fingers and plucked them out like a tweezer, like a tweezer would, or if he his whole hand came down. So we don't even know how big Amandul is. We know that Sargeras yes. was big enough that he cleaved a planet in half without even really thinking about it. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. Joe was talking when I started, so I want to. No, I was just gonna talk. say like, for me it was always like I have this weird thought, and this is because I'm also addicted to Doctor Who because whatever. Um, but there was that episode Kill the Moon where the moon is basically a giant dragon egg and the egg hatches and everybody's afraid that the, the earth and moon are going to basically be destroyed. And then after everything happens, there's a moon, like a, another moon, another egg is placed in its wake. So I'm wondering if maybe the world soul, when it cracks and becomes the planet, if the Titan reorders in its place a world that once was because they could do that right they they theoretically are powerful enough that they could shape or reorder a planet why not reorder the matter that they were born from into a smaller lesser version of themselves well it, for that matter we don't know if it's smaller yeah and we don't true we don't know exactly what happens when a world soul hatches because we've never seen it we just have evidence of the titans and, and their work, but we haven't even seen a Titan in person. Draenor Sargeras, I'm telling you. <laughs> I remember that tinfoil hat. Well, that I mean, was a really fighting. good one. But but the thing is, is is we don't know if it hatches like an egg and then the shell is just in pieces. Or if they go all Transformer, you know, like there's some sort of Voltron transformation. <laughs> wom, 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 wom. It's Unicron. <laughs> we, we really don't know. And we won't know until it happens if yeah, it we, happens we don't know if it's ego the living planet where the planet just gets a face and then just wanders around the cosmos with a beard Ooh, could we put engines on azeroth that'd be cool or if Let's maybe say- like the world soul will just kind of be absorbed by all of the heroes of azeroth and all of a sudden we've each got like a glimmer of potential of a titan and then it happens to be the actual hour of the third death who knows who knows we don't know it's a good qu- Ooh, that's a good thought though like we become imbued 
with, yeah, instead of with instead what, of dying as what remains up and goes you know what y'all have been doing good so i'm and just then gonna we have to face the void and we know that they can do that right we know yeah. that we know that titans can well, the pantheon did it the pantheon did it and they did it with stuff that they constructed in their image and if we theorize that the heroes of azeroth are constructed in the image or memory of you know the titans essentially in any aspect including the natural born races maybe their aspects of azeroth themselves they darn well could just be in we we could just wind up being infused nervous. with it i always get nervous when we talk about this subject because it seems like Something on this cosmic of a scale, it just feels like Endgame. You know what I mean? Well, like, I would argue that we've, we've been living Endgame for like the last two expansions, and we've been studying right. towards that. Right. That doesn't it's necessarily just, mean the game has to end, but we're 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 bigger, badder people. What do you work. follow that up with, though? Really? I mean, how can you follow that up? Avoid. We go into the fight and fight. There's a lot out there that we still have to deal with. Yeah, there is. Let me put it this way. Um, to use another Blizzard property as an example. At one point, the ultimate forces of good and evil fought in Diablo universe. And they just made demons and angels out of themselves. If we like destroy the Burning Legion and kill the Void Lords, who knows what's going to happen to fill the void, if you'll pardon me for that. Um, hoy, hoy, hoy. <laughs> you don't know what would happen if you destabilize what, the, what what's currently there. Like what what fills the if you kill the void lords, what fills the void? What becomes what replaces them? Like the the cosmos has primordial forces that guide it. If you put it out of joint, what happens next? Like if you smash the clockwork universe to to borrow from the uh, the dragon flight. Oh lord, I can't remember the name. The bronze dragon flight. Oh, the evil ones. Oh, the infinite, the infinite dragon blade. Yes. Uh, if, if you smash this clockwork universe, does it just fall apart or do you get a broken clock? What, what happens? So there's, there's room even after, if we started fighting the void Lords for that matter, even if we fight the void Lords a hundred times in, in our universe, it doesn't matter. They'll still be in the void. It's so. kind of interesting. Plus okay. we've only experienced, we've only experienced a small portion of the cosmos, which if you've, done any of the Nighthold fights, if you've done particular uh, the Astromancer fight, Stargirl, which, yeah. which is one of my favorite fights, um, you get glimpses of the universe that we've only heard tell, uh, at least in my opinion, that we've heard tales of or, or glimmers of in some of the stories and lore. There's more out there. And if there's one planet consumed by the Void, you don't know if there's more. We don't know what's out there. We only know what we, what we as small players have ingested from, you know, outside sources and is that with us in lfr now because i need to go do that yeah, it's up it is? yeah. okay All but right. it's worth it is well worth it and the story implications the lore implications from that on where we might be going next are huge at least to me there's so much out there that we haven't seen yet that this could be a very small slice of what's to come so i i don't think the story is anywhere near close to done okay well question number three from ios is also in chronicle when talking about the Mogu, it mentions the Yongal and says 12,000 years before the Dark Portal, though those, in parentheses here, the Tauren, who studied with Cenarius learned Druidic magics. Then when talking about the War of the Ancients, it says 10,000 years before the Dark Portal, under the tutelage of Cenarius, he, Malfurion, had become the first mortal Druid on Azeroth. Is this just an oversight, or did the Yongal or Tauren not really learn Druidism from Cenarius until after Malfurion? Sincerely, Ios. This is mm -hmm. really simple because we have the Veil Walkers also. If you do Suramar, you run into Veil Walker. Uh, I forget his last name, the, his actual name, but you know him, the guy who's constantly talking about the Arcanador. Yes. Uh, the Veil Walkers predated Druidism as well. 
you the, the nature magic and druidic magic are one thing druids are another druids are a specific thing and Morphurian is the first guy to to basically learn from Cenarius the path of the druid. Mm. It doesn't mean Cenarius didn't teach other people first. He had Torin that studied under him. He had other people that studied under him, but they weren't druids. They just learned the magics, well, but they didn't it, necessarily. No. And is, go ahead well, and say, what about? Oh, I was going to say, what about the forest lord and the first druids? What about that whole scroll that's sitting? That in... is that is bullshit. Because, really? Yes, because it's Language. the same. Idea. No, that's okay. It will bleep. Uh, the reason it is is because of that same problem. You're using the word druid to apply to people who the druidism is literally the path Malfurion learned. Sure. If you approach it that way, it's a different path. The Veil Workers weren't druids either. The Veil Walkers beat beat the uh, Yongal slash Torin by a couple centuries as well, but they weren't druids because they didn't approach it with the balance idea in mind. I thought neither did the Torin. Sarantor isn't a druid, is he? Yes, he's a druid. He is the. No, he's, he's not. He's he's, he's, a, he's a time walker. He is not a druid. He's not in the Cenarian circle. He is he doesn't answer to any of those people. He's not part of the tradition. You don't have to be part of the Cenarian yes, circle to be do. a druid. He yeah, might practice druidic magics, but he's not considered a druid. There's a reason that the trolls went to the Cenarian circle when they learned their nature magic. They didn't just go off and practice it on their own. They went to the circle. There's a there's. It's not just about the magic because if it was just about the magic then anybody could be a druid there well, are people, even there are people he, in gilneas the people in gilneas who practiced the old religion weren't druids they were hedge witches but it was kind of the same thing it was sort of a druidic style of magic see so and, that, and that's where specific. it's it's the I, I know quote though, from him it's the quote from him though that gets me because when you interact with them and you get him to talk to you he specifically says i was one of the first torn druids of the last generation taught by shando scenarius before the legion before the sundering when the world was still young before everything changed while my brethren hunted great beasts i hunted stories i have been drawn to the druidic arts by this hunger this lust for knowledge for a time that hunger was sated as i learned to talk more of the trees more to talk to the trees, rocks, and beasts, and learned their stories. But then the time came when Cenarius walked among us no more, and my brethren began to forget what he had taught us. I could not forget, though, as I still needed to learn more about our world. So I said my farewells and traveled beyond the lands of my people. It sounds pretty good to me that he learned and eschewed everything else that was out there because he was walking his own path, because he was learning the way the, the ways of Azeroth and the stories of the, the nature without having to be part of this big circle. And he and is immortal. Therefore, therefore, he's not a druid. Mm. I think, it's I think really arts. just a matter of semantics here. It is. It really is. Because if he's taught by Cenarius in all the ways, the only difference that But he wasn't are... taught by Cenarius in all the ways, because Cenarius himself says that the first person he taught everything to is Malfurion. When you do the Emerald Nightmare, he, call, he calls Fair Malfurion enough. Fair. his best I, I, I will. I will acknowledge Cenarius that, that Malfurion you, is the best student, but that doesn't mean he's Cenarius, the only but. If Cenarius says this is the first druid and points to Malfurion, and he does, then what do you do? You know, you, other people are like, well, I learned from Cenarius too. Yes, but you're not a druid. This guy is. But then by that, by that right there, then technically Malfurion is the only druid, if you want to argue No, that. because Malfurion... Because he's the only one recognized by Cenarius. And Malfurion recognizes his students and those students thereafter. Cenarius does not recognize other people as druids. But then, then by that right, none of the no, torn... No, it's, right? No, because Malfurion trained. Uh, oh God, I can't remember his freaking name. Hamul. Scenario. Malfurion trained Hamul. Okay. Hamul Rune Totem is the archdruid of the Torin. See, he's Malfurion's student. The, again, straight line. 
I think it's I think it's it's splitting hairs over the naming of it because it's not just splitting names over the hairs over the name of it because by the same token, you know, you have paladins who aren't knights of the silver hand, right? That's a different story. The druids sure. have the scenarian circle for a reason. And it's because of stuff like the druids of the scythe. It's because there are druids who get off on the wrong path. And those are ones who are in that straight line. Those are people who are druids. Okay, the so then the scythe, straight are druids, right? So then none of the shaman that are not part of the Earthen Ring are shaman? Is that, that is that true? The Earthen Ring isn't the same kind of organization, is it? But it is, isn't it? It really mm-hmm. it, it, it's dedicated all, to the same consolidation, isn't it? Except and, you don't have a figure who gives you shamanism the way you have a figure who gives you druidism. But the figure even, of shamanism is taught Zarth- to you by by the you do by you have to, you have play, you have like Nabundo you have like Drekthar they but, sure as heck teach you yeah but before them there are people before them sure there are people you know you're talking about again if Cenarius is the guy who gives us druidism which is the only Zeratul's only claim to it is that I taught I learned from Cenarius well then Cenarius has the authority to decide who's a druid and who isn't there is no shaman who has that authority and there never has been. There are element people. There are shamans who've never even see, and I, think, and, I th- and I think that's that's my argument right there, or at least that's the part that I'm approaching it from. Is that it? Even in Chronicle, I think it boils down to semantics, and I think it boils down to what is what individuals or what is considered druid. Is druid a title or is it something more than that? The way that I look at it is it's something more than that. It's not just a title. It's somebody who has been taught how to do things like talk to nature or talk to Azeroth or talk to the Then by that the definition, the Veilwalkers are druids. Then I would agree with that statement. But they themselves I, I, I understand. I understand that they say they're not, but to me, they, they qualify under that, that umbrella, to me. And, and that, that kind of defeats the purpose of the long origins of the Scenarian Circle. Well, anybody who uses nature magic is now a druid. The the high botanist, you know, is a druid. Anybody's a druid as long as they have nature magic. Celestine the Harvest was a druid before she went to Darnassus. There's the 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 scenario the, the scenario circle has a purpose beyond just gatekeeping. This isn't just we're mean and we're going to make Malfurion the, the first druid whether you like it or not. Malfurion is the first druid. And anybody who pa- practiced nature magic before Malfurion did not have all the pieces that he did. He got all of them. He surpassed his teacher. He is a better druid than Cenarius is. And Cenarius acknowledges this. If you didn't learn from Malfurion, you don't have the whole puzzle of druidism. That's the whole point of it. And the people who get it after him, the reason they come to the Cenarian Circle isn't just for legitimacy. It's to put all the pieces together. That's why the trolls are so fascinating, because they're the first group to really threaten that. Sure, but I would also argue that Zarentor... Zarantar, because of his his unique position of being immortal and being allowed to be a time walker, because of his the involvement of, in this case, it was the Bronze Dragon Flight. Uh, who says he doesn't have all those pieces of the puzzle? We haven't seen him use them, have we? Until Has such time as Zarantar, then he doesn't. He ha, he can't. You can't dispute Malfurion's position with this guy but have nothing to back it up. You, sure, until so such then we, time as he comes up and shows, oh, I can do everything. I can but do then all Druid stuff. is a title and not a class, is yeah, what it boils down okay. to. It's kind of right? both. It's, it's not just a title. It's, no, it is, because you're saying, it could be, you're saying it's granted by somebody who says you have all the pieces, you are now a Druid. I'm you, saying it can, your it's, argument it's, basically says flat out that okay, somebody has to so get it Okay, so <laughs> we've been going back and forth Sorry. on this for quite a while here, and you two are just like, I'm just going to step in. <laughs> I think that uh, the way that I've always looked at it is that, and and I mean, I looked at it this way prior to it being established anywhere in Chronicle or anywhere else, was that 
the Torn that learned from Cenarius way back in the day, they learned druidic magics and they learned the kind of things that we associate with being a druid. But the actual being a druid itself, that designation didn't really exist until Malfurion filled that role. Does that make sense? Because it always made sense in my head that way. See, I, that's, that's kind of where I was coming from, too, is that they were mm. without the title, right? Like they were before that was even a thing. They weren't, so they weren't proper this. druids because proper druids did not exist. They practiced the same kind of magics. They didn't exhibit the same kind of mastery that Malfurion does because Malfurion is right up there. He's pretty much the most powerful one right there. But it was the same aspects of that. It just didn't, it wasn't defined at that point. It didn't have a definition or a structure or anything else. Like Rossi said, it didn't have all of the pieces put together yet. It just didn't exist until Malfurion came along and was and, taught how to weave all of that together. And that would kind of fit too, because even, even the, the NPC, even Zarenter hints at that where, you know, the version of Druidism that the Torrens follow now is new and taught by specifically uh, Malfurion, as opposed to what him and the previous ones learned from right. Scenarius. Right, and I think that Plus, as I mean, far as he's concerned, thing. as far as he's concerned, I don't think that, I think he considers himself a Druid, and I think that he follows a lot of the different, you know, Druidic things, sure, but he's not, he wasn't trained to be one, and after he learned all of this stuff, he kind of, he said it himself, he left. And when he left, he kind of evolved his own thing that he's calling being a druid. And maybe he's just using that term because that's the term we're familiar with. That's the term that we attribute to that kind of thing. Perhaps, yeah. Well, the other thing I would look at, too, is this. Um, whether or not Cenarius taught Torin druidism, and you want to call it druidism, whatever, you say they were druids, they didn't keep it. They abandoned it. They abandoned him. They walked away from it and took up other paths. You've got all these this first generation of Torin druids that Zarentor is talking about. They left no students. There's no tradition here. So was Zarentor a druid? I don't think so. But whether or not he was, who are his students? Who calls him Shondo? And Shondo's a Shondo is a night elf word. Mm -hmm. It is a word. If you're if if he's calling him Shondo, he got that from Malfurion. <laughs> That's not something that a Torin would call an honored teacher. That's a night elf word. So Zarentor is using speech you'd get, not speech that would apply to actually his life. I doubt very seriously that anybody there called themselves a druid. And I doubt seriously you could compare what they did to what modern druidism is for the very simple fact that the, the druidic structure was created by night elves. And that's again, that's why trolls but, are so important. OK, so to, to get back to the question at hand, though, uh, and let's let's just loop this back because we've kind of I will say that we've kind of gone deep. And I and I apologize for that. It's just been one of those things where I haven't really had a healthy debate, especially with somebody like Rossi in a long time. And it felt really good. And I had a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> um, but it's the, the statement in the book is 12,000 years before the Dark Portal, the Torn who studied with scenarios learned druidic magics. That is a true statement. That doesn't say that they are druids. It says they learned druidic magics, right? Yeah, and, and then I'm it fine says, with druidic magics. I'm well, fine, well, you know, that doesn't concern me. But that's the question is, it is an accurate statement. And then 10,000 years before the Dark Portal, under the tutelage of Scenarius, Malfurion became the first mortal druid 
holding the title on Azeroth. That is also actual and factual. So this isn't an oversight. This isn't um, a a, a storytelling fable. This isn't something that needs to be retconned because it is true. Just because, and as Anne said, because you learn druidic magic doesn't necessarily mean you are a druid. And Um, for that matter, it doesn't mean the Veilwalkers today couldn't be incorporated into the circle and become druids. I mean, what are they the the real difference is the Veilwalkers basically blended arcane and nature magics in a mm-hmm. way that druids today don't. That's the exactly. real difference. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that they couldn't fit in there like you just said. It's but the the statement in the chronicle is truthful and it is factual if you read it for what it is. So take it at face value. Don't say that the people that learned twelve thousand years ago, the, the Torin, uh, my people, learned uh, 12,000 years ago, that magic are actually druids. Like Rossi has said, they may have different titles, they have different lifestyles, they have different words. There are different class of being that still study druidic magics. Do so, I consider them druids? Yes. Does Do you? Not necessarily, but there you go. So, Ios, thanks for the questions. You <laughs> said you wanted us to digress. That third one was a doozy, and I, and I kind of figured it was going to be a doozy. I did not expect it to be that much of a doozy, but that's okay. We're uh, going to go ahead and move on. This one is Joe's, from... Joe's playing Torn a lot, and I'm playing Night Elves a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was bound to happen. Yeah. This uh, next email is from Alessander, who says, Hi, guys. When did the elves first find Elune and begin worshipping her? I can't imagine Queen Ashara liked any other female being worshipped, yet Taronda was a priestess, I think. Have the blood elves, high elves, and nightborn forsaken her worship for the light? I have that impression. Peace. Um, I'm going to answer that first part. When did they find Elune? When they were dark trolls and they turned into the night elves. There was there was a story I think where they traveled to the Well of Eternity and yeah it's in Chronicle yeah when they transformed they they began worshiping this creature Elune and it wasn't really specific about what Elune was or anything else but um, part of the whole thing about the War of the Ancients there was that you know Queen Ashara and the Highborn were very much dedicated to the well and to exploring the mysteries of the well and arcane magic and then on the other side of the equation you had the priestesses of Elune who Deshana was her name yeah Deshana who who was not so much into that so there was a divide there there was like a cultural divide there and the war of the ancients just kind of exasperate it, it like ramped that up it it ramped up that split in a major way um something i was i was researching the highborn because like i've been writing about elves for the past few know your lores mm-hmm. one of the things i noted was that the highborn were actually kind of upstarts they were for lack of a better word nouveau riche in terms of nobility there were the old guard of, of night elven nobility who predated them and guys like uh, ravencrest were of that tradition and they were warrior types they weren't sorcerers they were like the 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 Raven Guard and all those guys. Th- they existed first, and they were very old. They predated Ashara, and they were part of the original. W- when the Night Elves first mastered magic and started spreading out, they started fighting with the trolls, uh, and they basically pushed both the Amani and the Gurubashi to the side. They swept them aside and just said, "You can live in this part. We don't care about," and took over everything around the well. And the 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 Highborn, when they came up. They came up because Night Elves decided sorcery was so important that anybody who was good at sorcery could be a noble. And that was a pretty big division in their society. And the older guard were much more Elune worshippers. Like the Highborn paid lip service to Elune, but the older guard were very much no Elune is life. You know, she is. And of the, course, with the rise of Ashara and how she was kind of yeah, she treasured. 
that 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 all kind of like grew up around her and in her era. Joe, did you want to jump in here? No, you guys pretty much have it covered, I think. Okay. Um, uh, one thing, uh, one thing I want to throw out too, by the way, is uh, the original name of Xanashari, which was the the capital city of the Kaldari Empire. Original name was Alundris, and it means Eye of Alun, and that's because that's what they called the Well of Eternity too. Uh, they called it the Eye of Alun. So. And Ashara came along, the, the Night Elves loved her so much that they renamed the capital city Glory of Ashara in her honor. That's how popular Ashara was. As far as the Blood Elves, High Elves, and Nightborn, um, I don't know so much about the Nightborn. I would assume that over 10,000 years of being, you know, cut off and isolated and leaning on the Nightwell for just, just for basic sustenance, they probably don't really talk about Elune all that much anymore. I've heard very little mention of her. Yeah, it, it's probably something that's kind of faded over time. Um, the High Elves slash Blood Elves, they don't really talk about her. Because, I mean, they were cast out, essentially. They were those remnants of Highborn that were cast out for practicing arcane magic. So they pretty much said, okay, fine, we're going to go make our own thing. We're going to go make our own well, and it's going to be a sun well because that's way better than your lame moon wells, and we're just going to have our own clubhouse over here on the other continent. And, yeah, I don't... They don't talk about Elune at all. Uh, they do go into the light where they were talking, you know, they they kind of worship the light, not so much as... I don't think as heavily as, as you know, the humans and the dwarves did, but they did. Because there were priestesses yeah. and there were there were priestesses and there were even paladins, kind of. It was tied up in their sun worship to a degree. Like the sun yeah. became kind of a metaphor. Um, I was talking on Twitter and I can't remember who I was talking to and it makes me feel really... I think it was Alana uh, I think we were talking to about this and she made a point about Silvermoon, which is the capital of the, of the High Elf slash Blood Elf nation. Um, Silvermoon is named Silvermoon. So there was probably a period of time when the high mo- when the high elves first arrived that they were still holding on to a loon, like they still considered her like an object of veneration. And then after a while, they moved to the whole sun worship thing because they created the sun well, because Dathramar was trying to reject everything night elven because he was mad at them. You know, they. Kicked I mean, him out. for good reason. They kicked him out. Yeah. yeah. So there probably was a period where the Galoon was revered by the high elves, maybe not worshipped the same way that she was by the night elves, but they probably at least, you know, thought about her because the place is named silver moon. Yeah. And that's pretty, that's, if you look at everything, there is sun theme. Everything there is red and gold. It's actually quite beautiful. I mean, you, you guys have both seen it, but it isn't at all. Like it's not a blood elf, high elf name, silver moon. Like you think about that. And it's like, that's not really right. It doesn't really should fit. be her, golden sun. Yeah. And her theory was <laughs> yeah. that it was, it was named when they first got there and they still would have kind of had a holdover. They would have still thought about a loon. And I, I believe her. I think that makes sense. It does. Okay. So uh, next question is from ex outlaw poet and undead holy priest on kill Jaden who says, is there, a, is there going to be any more meta plot on Titans? My favorite dropped plot line was the revelation that the gnomes can get the curse of flesh cured somehow reverting to mechanomes, which some find disturbing and some felt as being perfected. Seems like mechanomes would have some extra access to Titan technology and maybe even communication devices, right? So Garrus may have killed the Pantheon, but some Titans are still out there, right? Wouldn't Titan technology and guidance be kind of important for fighting the Burning Legion slash Old Gods slash Void Lords, whatever the multiversal threat that will end the world is this week? Longtime listener and Patreon backer, love you guys. Keep doing the good work. Um, 
Well, we're kind of in a whole meta plot about the Titans right now, really, Mm -hmm. with the Pillars of Eternity. Or the Pillars of Creation. Pillars of Eternity? What the heck? (laughs) I'm still stuck on the Well of Eternity thing. Anyway, uh, Pillars of the Creation and everything that's going on on the Broken Isles and even, you know, the revelation about Azeroth being a world soul and all that. I I don't know if we can get more meta plot than that. Um, The gnomes... The gnome thing is interesting. That was one of those weird things that came out of Wrath and never really went anywhere. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. th- there's a the whole Mimiron thing, but the the fact that that these guys could have like the curse of flesh excised from them and turned back into machines, that was weird. Well, we kind of saw really. that. In, we saw that in Pandaria, didn't we? Yeah, Mogu, right? The Mogu yeah. had a way of trying to reverse, like, or going back to, like, creatures of stone. And, hey, Deathwing, too. Deathwing. And Deathwing as well. And, and the Tolvir. And the Tolvir. I was going to bring them up as well. So this isn't exactly, like, a process that can't be reversed. It's something that can happen. It doesn't necessarily need titanic intervention. Um, although the ones that have been able to do this have either been Titan creations or using uh, some very powerful juju. So old I, God I don't stuff. Know. I think with, with Deathwing, yeah. it well, was old God. Well, yeah, but which makes sense because the curse of God is uh, curse of flesh is old God stuff. It's from Yasharan. Yeah, yeah. They would obviously know how to reverse it if you're working for the old gods. Like you know, it's like anything else. If you are the one that perpetrated it, you kind of generally have an antidote just in case. It's leverage. Why not? In terms of, uh, I mean, I don't know. I've I've talked a lot today, so I feel like a jerk now. But what the heck? Uh, in terms of the the gnomes. Gnomes are a little different in that, like, humans went through multiple stages to get to the point of being human. Decurse of fleshing humans would be weird because, first, the curse of flesh has to turn Vrykul from iron and stone Vrykul to Vrykul. Then the curse of flesh has to work on them some more to get them down to human. Whereas, like, dwarves, it's like earthen, then, you know, earthen become dwarves, except sometimes they become trogs, and then trogs become those guys who sell you lucky dues. I, I don't, I don't understand how that happens. Like the curse of flesh is not necessarily rational or easy to understand. Like the curse of flesh just turned Mogu into flesh Mogu. A curse of flesh just turned Tolvir into cl- flesh Tolvir, but it didn't just turn Vrykul into flesh Vrykul. It kept working on them. It yeah. And then there's more... so many different subsects of dwarves that. Yeah. And with dwarves, I mean, we don't know if that's the curse of flesh acting on them or if dwarves just get weird when they take it's them to different kind of places. A a chaotic element from an element of chaos. So I guess it kind of makes sense in that way. You never know quite which way it's going to hit. The other thing with dwarves though, too, is and because there's so many different subsects of like not curse of flesh ones, like you have the iron dwarves, you have the earth and you have um, the frost guys, you have a whole bunch of other ones in there. If they were all created and are all just dwarves under that banner, but maybe the curse of flesh, curse of flesh affects each of those differently so that's also a possibility as well well we do have to remember too that the iron dwarves and the iron vrykul aren't were, were made after the original ones they were made when loken had control of the forge they were made so they wouldn't get cursed sure but there's also like the frost ones as well and stuff the frost like ones that, are yeah. like straight up frost dwarves i don't know if they were earthen originally or if they changed into dwarves. yeah we like, have we have no clue right yeah like it's it, it's really complicated <laughs> This isn't an easy thing to solve. For that matter, one of the reasons I'm looking forward to Chronicle Volume 2 is to find out if if orcs are the end result of, like, a similar type of thing happening to, like, ogres. Like, one of the things that's really, if you look at, like, when we went to Draenor, you had the gigantic magnetrons that turn into the only slightly less gigantic Gron who turn yeah, but... into ogres. But, they, no, they turn into Ogron who turn into ogres. 
it's, do ogres keep going? Do you do you get down they from ogres? Just shrink or is over that, time. Or is that, yeah, I was gonna say, or is that just evolution on that planet that's been around for so long? Where oh, it's straight up they become that, small. It's straight up implied that the magnetron are under a curse of flesh. Like when you find the disc that controls them, that's Titan technology. Yeah, the magnetron are Titan creations. It's it's all over the breakers. Uh, oh Lord, Ian actually wrote a, a know your lore about this, and I remember reading it and thinking, you know, this this is a perfect explanation. You were talking about the breakers versus the primals. Yeah, the primals and the breakers. The primals look like. Draenor as a whole world looks like it's really messed up. Like, like it's it's if you look it's at Azeroth, it's a big experiment yeah. gone completely wrong. Yeah, if you look at Azeroth as you know, we had an exact purpose to this. We we're gonna save the world soul. We have all these machines and processes in mind. Draenor looks like everything broke, guys. Everything is completely broke on this planet. Uh, we've got these out of control um, Titan creations. Then we've got these out of control plant monsters that are like fighting to try to break them down. And it's like it's like literally the natural process of erosion has a faction on Draenor. And it's always struck me as like the curse of flesh. It feels very much like the curse of flesh is running amok on that planet and you can't see stop it. And my my always theory about that, or at least the one that I, the idea that I always had about Draenor was like a, a couple different things. But like maybe this all happened because it wasn't a world soul. And we don't know what happens on planets that aren't world souls that the Titans tried to do stuff. The Titans, well, we know the Titans did do something. There, yeah, they did. Well, they did. But I we mean, also know even that they if tried they didn't find a planet, yeah, right? even if they didn't find a world soul, they were like, let's make this nice anyway. We'll just you're make never, it nice. You're, you're never convincing me that orcs are not the gnomes of Draenor. <laughs> they're the smallest <laughs> smartest beings on that planet orcs are the gnomes of Draenor and there's no oh, way you're talking out of this oh my gosh that yeah that's weird but in a way it almost makes sense too alright um, so our next email is actually a pretty lengthy one I'm going to kind of dice it up here for the sake of brevity this is from Lay from, from Airy Peak in Europe who is a happy Patreon supporter who says, Hi, I have some questions and thoughts about Argus. When Archibald and Kil'jaeden brought the Eridar into the Legion, were all of them, those present on Argus, turned into demons, Benari, automatically, or would every single Eridar have to accept, quote-unquote, the gift as a choice on their own? From what we generally understand, at least from what I've seen, once you accept it, the transformation happens pretty quick. Look at look in Legion, look at the uh, the Blood Totem. Right, they accepted the legion's offer. The fell totem, yeah, or the, and they became the fell totem, and they're they're immediately like they have the really cool horns and the glowing eyes. We have, and we have an actually, a, we have a much better example than the fell totem. The Sargeri. yeah, or very specific one. I mean, we you, since you're talking about the Sargeri, um, oh god, I can't remember his name. I'm having a terrible name, day with names. But when you go to the the uh, triumvirate, when you're up, like in Shadowmoon Valley. And you do the quests to find out who the traitor is, the one that that was like working. The murderer. Yes, and uh, one of the who's the you know one of them basically boom turns into Sakrathar like that. Oh, I and, can't remember who he was before yeah. he was Sakrathar, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Sakrathar. He and he's a big demonic Eridar in a second. Like he's just like fine, I'm done with you, and boom, he's a demon. So. Was he hiding being a demon? And, you know, I don't know. Was I he, don't know. Was he hiding his whole thing? But the thing is, is, you know, there were Draenei, like, all throughout Shadowmoon Valley. There was that whole section up on the hill mm-hmm. of Draenei that had pretty much accepted it. And they boom, went... demons. Yeah, yep. boom, demons. Went red. Um, went red. Had, had, like, fell stuff coming out of their hooves. Uh, and the fell totem are, are nasty, but I don't know if you could say they're demons yet. So no, I think but I, mean... for, I think for Eridar, 
go like that like sure. compared to like I think Draenei are just real susceptible. But I also think I, it has a lot to do with the fact that the Draenei understood how to use arcane energies. And when you try to convert that into manipulating the fell energies, that accelerates that process for them, maybe. Oh, my God. You just made me think of this. What? Illidan. <laughs> no, Illidan. When, when Illidan. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. When you're doing the Illidan quest, when you're playing as Illidan, he has every mm-hmm. ability he's got as a demon hunter as a mage. Yes. He just uses arcane magic to do yes. it. Yes. And that's why when he gets his eyeballs blitzed out and gets the tattoos, he, Demon Hunter stuff comes real easy to him it's because it's just it's arcane he's magic. Been doing, right. It's yeah. kind of which a is perverted why, version of it, yeah. W- which is why with people like the Blood or the Fell Totem, it's slower because Torn Mages? Question they don't, mark? Yeah, they, they don't, don't exist. Uh, they don't practice really. arcane anything. But that's why that's why Satyr happens so fast. Yes, because yeah. Night Elves are really in tune for arcane energy, so switching that and over to course, fell it's like i know how to use this stuff bam the deny oh, was like a the, sweet argus was pretty much a planet of overpowered arcane magic users like they had developed yeah. this perfect society built heck, on arcane heck, their buildings are made of arcane energy and crystals like they're they're living arcane crystals essentially right yeah so you have all these foci essentially for this energy that goes you know this is really great cosmic energy that we're using let's just turn this over and see what happens and they tap into fell and then everything just goes kablooey the other there thing you that, go that's my reasoning yeah the other thing that lay wanted to know here was that if there could have been any small hidden resistance groups sabotaging the legion small scale on argus like it might be it's a planet it's and a planet that, they might have been hiding the, and we know that there's been at least uh, some members of the the Army of Light that have been on Argus at least at some point, like in some. So higher they may have some possible. people yeah. as part of a resistance cell or whatever. I don't know. Um, good question. It's possible we'll find out. Second question: Is it at all possible to get redeemed after becoming a demon and working for the Legion? Would anyone in that position even want redemption? How much does the Fell impact thoughts and feelings? Does it take memories and love away, suppress it, or make it so that certain feelings are no longer understandable? Okay, there is this really good quest chain out in Ashenvale. I think it's still there. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. It's on the Alliance side. Um, it came in in Cataclysm. I think it came in. Yeah, it came in in Cataclysm. There is a quest chain where you talk to a satyr who doesn't want to be one anymore. They want to be redeemed. They regret what they have done. And you have to go find, essentially, it's a, well, it's it's a bit of a loon or something like that, something along those lines, and you take it back to him, right? And in the meantime, while you're on this quest, you have a conversation with something that might be a loon. It's never really defined. But when you go back to him and you give him the thing, all of a sudden he's a night elf again. So is it possible? Yes, it's happened in game. And it makes and it actually, makes perfect sense. Go ahead. There's even beings like, you know, Anne mentioned it on the uh, the leveling stream this week. There's Lothraxian who is a dreadlord, a straight up dreadlord. Uh, but he's a good guy. Dreadlords have never been anything but dreadlords as far as we know. We don't know if there was ever a period of time where dreadlords were all really nice guys and then they all went corrupt. But this dreadlord straight up channels the light and is like a super paladin. He's like, you know. Here I am. And, I'm Lothraxian, commander of the Army of the Light, and I'm here to help you, Paladin. You're like, ah. Um. You know what? And that makes sense, though, too, because if you think about it, the, the, that entire race is a race of what? Really adept at magic and manipulating energies. Again. And channeling the void. So all of a sudden, you, you disconnect from the void, you plug into the light, and bam. Yeah, I, I honestly believe that that's what it is. I believe that it's it's 
essentially changing the source that you power into. And if you go back to the, the cosmology, you're basically tapping into that plane. You're tapping into sort of that element. Well, if that I remember correctly, sense. Arcane and Fell were kind of on opposite sides, weren't they? They were, yeah. yeah. Um, Another thing before we move on, because I know we probably should. Yeah. But one of the things about this, whether or not it changes your feelings, I don't think it's I don't think the fell changes your feelings. I think you have to feel a certain way to really connect with it. Like warlocks have to at least be kind of selfish and greedy because they kind of have to be able to justify, Okay, either either they're really mad or they're really kind of selfish to be able to justify what they're doing. Sure. Because they're, they're tapping into something that is inherently destructive. This has been said over and over again. Fell magic is inherently destructive. It destroys life on well, a grand and small scale. And That's just also, what it does. It's also just powerful, too. Don't forget yeah, it's that. Powerful, like, and but, in, in the case of the Sargeri and the Draenei, it was a promise of power. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have to be able to. It's not the magic doing it to you. Yeah, it's, it's already you, part of you, yeah. You doing something to let yourself touch that magic. And with that Satter Ann was talking about, it's not that the, 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 his demonic taint kept him from feeling, because he did feel. He did repent. He repented on his own. He repented before he was cured. He came to them as a Satter and said, this, I'm, I, this is horrible. I have lived a life I, I can no longer sustain. Yeah, they didn't force him in any help. way. He just showed up. They didn't even want to help him. They were like, he's a demon. Why don't we just kill him? And, you know, your character's like, well, look, if he really does want to repent, let me at least try. So there is, it's never a question of the magic being, the magic can corrupt you, but you still make, you're in the driver's seat. Yeah, it's it's just the power source. You are, you are that filter it goes through. Whatever you are shapes that. Makes sense. Okay, well, the last question here from Lei is about the Sargeri, since we were already talking about them anyway. Uh, they said, I felt really heartbroken about the Sargeri and Legion, but also thought it was a relevant reflection of how history repeats itself in the real world. Here you have the ascendants of those that survived this really awful thing way back, forgetting what the fight was about and willingly embracing the dark side. What could motivate the Sargeri to go in this direction? Uh, I played a Draenei in that expansion, so I'll go last. You guys talk, otherwise I will take over this conversation. Power, really, oh. survival. Mm-hmm. sheer survival maybe well, they're tired of running maybe it, it could be but i mean it's like it's one of those weird things where like the deny always struck me as like scientists without morality like they didn't care about the morals of what they were doing they just cared about the science of it the magic of it the power well, there of was it. that whole section in in talador where you had like the wacky scientist guy doing stuff yeah. with crystals yeah yeah. <laughs> and so then you the, had that subsection that were like, no, maybe we should just leave the natural world the way it is and kind of observe it. Yeah. Sure. And but to, to me that's that's one of those weird art that weird artifacts of like a utopia, right? Like when you have mm -hmm. a utopian society, you have that sort of mentality because it doesn't matter if it's right, it matters if it's progress. And that and that's kind of what they were going for. So maybe. Um I'm I don't gonna know. I'm Go gonna ahead. say this much just from when I played the way I looked at it, and this is basically based on just what I ran into. There were those Draenei who, like Anne said, were just tired of running. But there were ones who were mad directly at Velen. And it's kind of understandable why they would be. Because Velen talked them into resisting. He talked them into leaving everything behind. And they did. They left everything mm -hmm. behind. And what did he? they get for it? More no suffering. permanent home. They've ju they've been doing yeah. nothing but running for what twenty five thousand years. Yeah. Think about if your character, if you're, you know, if you're a young Draenei, and for, first off, you're a young Draenei, you are a minority because they don't reproduce. They only reproduce enough to kind of replenish their ranks. They don't. There's no population growth among the Draenei because they can't be because they keep going on different planets. The the sojourn on Draenor is the longest they spent in one place 
in living memory. And from that standpoint, even, you know, it wasn't even that long. No, it was a few hundred years. Yeah, which and, seems long to us, but to a Drenai, it's like a blink of an eye. And, like, think about it. If you, if you grew up, if you're young enough and you grew up and you don't know, you don't know anything about Argus. Because your people haven't been on Argus in millennia. You don't know anything about the glory of the past. You don't know anything about your people's traditions other than what you're told by the people around you. And of course, you're going to start to question them. Everybody questions their elders. Everybody's like, hey, how do I know that's true? And if someone comes along and says, hey, no, you know, you, Velen, Velen is selling you a bill of goods. He's telling you this light is going to save us. But has it saved us? Are you saved? Do you feel saved right now? Or do you feel like a refugee f constantly floating on a bubble that's always going to break? And look at the world we're on. The world we're on, we stick a few crystals in the ground and the nature of one of us goes nuts. It tries to reject us. This world mm -hmm. doesn't want us. The orcs certainly don't want us. Look at them. They built a giant, a giant war machine and started trying to massacre us. You know, and you hit on you hit on a really good point there. And if you don't remember the glory days, if you don't remember that world, and all you know, like if you are one of those those children, and there are Jedi children that we've interacted with over the years, that you know grew up having to move from place to place, that grew up having to run, having to live in fear, having to you know try to escape this. Why wouldn't you believe that maybe what you're doing isn't the right thing or the best way? Absolutely. You grew all you up know is on suffering. the run without really any knowledge of what you yeah. were on the run from. And, and then someone like Sokrathar comes along and goes, no, Velen's been lying to us. The Legion isn't monsters. They're, you know, they're trying, the reason they're chasing us is because he stole our future from us, and they want to give it back to us. Even now, you can join them. Even yeah, they, now, they'll take us. Our home, our home still exists. We can go home. Yeah, we can go to this land that you've never seen, the land of our, the, the world of our people. Well, who wouldn't want that? You know, of course, some of them listen. I mean, most of them don't. You'll notice it's a it's a minority of the Draenei because the most of them are like, no, they murdered my family. But there's always going to be people who are going to be like, you know, F, sorry, I almost swore. Uh, F this. You know, w let's find out. Let's look. Maybe I want to look into it for myself. And then step by step, you get converted. All it takes is that one moment of curiosity. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, our last email kind of ties into the first one that we had, but you know what? Let's talk okay. about it again. Get ready anyway. for Druid arguments. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not <laughs> Druid arguments, thankfully. Um, this is from Lialis, who's a Draenei mage from Garrosh, who says, Too long didn't read. Do Azerothians want the Azeroth world soul to mature? Obviously, we don't want the Legion or the old gods to get what they want, but do we want Azeroth to become a Titan? What happens to the planet Azeroth then? Does it change to the body of the Titan? Emmenthul was big enough that he was able to use his hands to rip out a continent-sized old god from the surface of the planet. So the Titans are obviously very big. Where does that mass come from? And the common metaphor for what will happen with the world soul is hatching from an egg. What happens to the eggshell? Will the final boss of WoW be Azeroth? Will we beat the Legion and the old gods only to realize that the world soul's emergence would be even more destructive thanks love the show i yeah i i kind of wanted to tack this on here i probably should have put it up with the other one that discussed it but i think this is actually probably a good place <laughs> to like end the show on is a, is a discussion about this because we only just found out that azeroth is basically a titan that there is this world soul like we just found this out from magni bronzebeard who woke up yeah. from this crystalline slumber that he was in. I'm still going to actually give the, the credit to the first tip off to, to Rathion though. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 
No, I, I mean, we just had no idea what the heck he was talking about. Well, I had I had inklings, but you know, they weren't actually like confirmed in lore or anything. It was just us babbling madly. Anyway, um, I don't think that there's anybody on Azeroth that's really thought about what would happen were that world soul to mature because we just found out it exists. You know, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. Our characters and the heroes of Azeroth are kind of in the dark on this one just as much as we are players outside of the game. We don't we don't know what happens with it. And as far as, you know, the characters in Azeroth, they've got something else that they're thinking about right now that takes bigger priority and that would be the Burning Legion knocking down the barn door as it were and trying to set the whole place on fire. I have a so, question. yeah, what do we actually like our characters or even the characters like Cadgar or anybody does anybody know that the world soul has to mature and that the planet... Like, you know what I mean? No. No, like, no all, else. all they know is that Azeroth is a well, titan. That's Here's it. The that's the thing. only information they have to go on is well, Azeroth is a, is a titan. There's only one being that knows the answer to this question currently, and that's Sargeras. Well, I mean, there's some implication that the that the essence of Amanthul exists in... in Maybe. Maybe, but the thing is, is that essence a fully developed mentality? Do, do they know everything? We don't know that. No. It's it's still it's still a giant essence crammed into a tiny shell in any capacity. And as we've seen, that's caused others to go absolutely insane. One's designed and hand handcrafted by the Titans. So if they don't have all, and they didn't even know that the Titans were in them at those at those points. So how is Rathion going to know possibly everything? We don't know. But the only person that are the only well, being he, in the he, universe. He ate he ate the heart of the Thunder King and he had he that did. whole wonky vision. And at the end of it, at the end of it, it kind of faded away. And I don't know if he remembered everything. Wasn't the that last he, saw. Word he says the last thing he says is they have forgotten. They yes. have forgotten. And he and even means himself. We must rebuild the final Titan. Do so, not forget. And I'm guessing to me that always meant to me that always read as something like the essences have, you know, dumbed down because they're in essentially smaller mortal frames ish type thing. But I don't know. It's going to be one of those weird things where Sargeras is the only one that really knows what happens to a Titan when it's born. We may not want Azeroth to ever really wake up. The best scenario may be that Azeroth sleeps forever for us, a purely selfish thing. And I'm reminded, and Rossi will probably remember this one because he's you know, as old of a gamer as I am, and some of you listeners might as well. In Dark Sun, there was a campaign, a very short-lived campaign, where the world itself was actually a god basically at the center of its slumbering. And as players, you had to go and basically put that god back to sleep because if that god woke up, the entire planet was destroyed. And that always kind of struck me as one of those weird, weird hangovers for Azeroth. It's like, we don't know. Azeroth could wake up and we could all we could all die. The planet could cease to exist and then another one could be in its place or we could just blink out. So I, I never know. I never know what would happen. I think it, there's so many interesting things you can do with it. Or for people familiar with other video games, we're basically dealing with the cosmic equivalent of the end of Life, life is Strange. <laughs> you can use the photo or you can do the opposite. Fair Either enough. way, something's going to happen and it's probably not going to be good. I, I honestly think like one of the interesting things about this is that it could, in fact, be all all be fine. We don't. Oh, yeah. For, for all we know, a Titan wakes up. Everybody gets a feeling of, wow, that's really great. And then the Titan's world soul pulls out of the planet and just goes its merry way. Because, you know, it's really vague as to what the primordial matter of the universe is. It just awakens and, and kind of ascends like this ethereal uh, fog yeah, and then materializes yeah. outside of the world. And I mean, I mean we do know, have plenty of arcane fonts that 
drill down into the center of Azeroth that it could use as an escape release, including one that's in the Nighthold. You should go do that raid, folks. There's a lot going on in terms of like this whole thing. We don't really know and we won't know for some time. For all we know, too, our lives are like blinks to Titans. Like we live, we die. Even like, like, you know, even Velen is not like a, a Titan is, oh, that one lived for five seconds. Well, <laughs> you know, so there is a scale issue where, sure, if Azeroth ever wakes up, we'll all be destroyed. How long will it take it? Three and a half billion years. Uh, yep. Um, I'm, I'm less worried about this then than I was. No, it's still very important, but three and a half billion years. I mean, I'm going to be dust by then. I mean, yeah. Yeah. even like, even <laughs> that, I was like, I think we have time to work on an answer here. I, I'm just saying three and a half billion years. I, that's a long time. We don't know. We, that's the interesting thing about this. That's when we said when, when Chronicle came out, people were like, well, now there's no more questions. Dude. Oh, there's plenty of questions. Oh, no, no, no. Chronicle volume one left all kinds of questions in there. And introduced a whole lot more. Mm hmm. It's like, I mean, finding out that all Torin used to be Yongol was a big deal. Like, oh my god, then what happened? Why are they the way they are now? We have no idea. But this this Titan thing, Azeroth's World Soul, the idea that we as players should be focusing on that feels both like, guys, there's stuff, like literally, your pants are on fire and you're worried about that dude cooking in the other yard. Like, this is, we have time to worry about this. But also, we don't even know what the process is. It doesn't hatch like a big egg. Does the planet kind of like, you know, does it Unicron like Anne said before? We don't know. It would be kind of funny if Azeroth turned into a giant woman with a big flaming hat and we all just lived on our waist. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd be down for that. I'm just saying, like, that'd be cool. Look, the We're pauldrons all... in World of Warcraft are notoriously large to begin with. So, I mean, we could all just perch on one of those, right? Yes. Kalimdor is one of our pauldrons. <laughs> the Eastern Kingdoms are the other. <laughs> Oh, the Northrend is her giant, ridiculous hat. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, answer for you, Lealis, is we don't know, and neither do anybody, neither does anybody on Azeroth. They really, they really yeah. haven't given a thought to it. Maybe that'll come after Legion is over with. Anyway. There's really no way they could even know that world souls are distinct. Like, there's no way. That's, they. all they know is the planet is a Titan. Okay good i guess or whatever but we have okay. no clue what that means well that wraps us up for emails and that also wraps us up for the show blizzard watch is made possible due to the gener- generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast with a queue and an ads free site experience um and, you know, just to note, if you'd like to support the show and you haven't pre-ordered your copy of World of Warcraft Chronicle Volume 2 yet, that's actually due out on March 14th. And you can get yours by going to blizzardwatch.com slash chronicle2, that's chronicle and the number 2, and putting in a pre-order on Amazon. Volume 2 is apparently showcasing the history of Draenor, and it includes more art from Peter Lee, Alex Horley, Joseph LaCroix, and a lot of other people. And it's going to have a lot of information. It's... From what I've heard, the focus is on Draenor. Like, we'll get a lot of Draenor history, but it's also continuing where Volume 1 left off. So, yeah, you can pre-order your copy, blizzardwatch.com slash chronicle2. Um, final thoughts, you guys, as far as, as far as you know, let's let's go back to... No, I'm not going to go back to the Druid thing. I was going to go back <laughs> to the Druid thing, but I'm like, no, we'll be here for another half hour. Um, do you think Rathion's going to actually show up at any point in this expansion? Because it's kind of... we we. 
touched on him a little bit, that he's aware of what's going on in a way that maybe not everybody else is. Do you think we're going to see him again? Do I want him to show up? Yes. Do I think he's going to show up? I have a fear that he just won't. What about you, Rossi? Honestly, I almost feel like Rathion would be more interesting to show up in the next expansion. What do you think the next one's going to be? I honestly think we're going to Argus. I mean, come on. Oh, you know, that would be interesting. Unless if, we if, don't go to Argus at all because, you know, the appearance of Argus somewhere else means that we don't get an expansion for it. Well, they did say that we were going to do make a jaunt out there in 7-3. There's, there's also some really distinct uh, allusions to it in the Astromancer fight as well. Like, as far as... There's more than that. Um, yeah. There's, but There's uh, stuff that's been revealed for Tomb of Sargeras that I'm not going to talk about. But. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid spoilers on that one. I'm just talking about current content. Yeah, we'll just avoid spoilers on but it that. Would be, it would if be we, incredibly interesting if he showed up there. Yeah, I honestly feel like if he's not in 7-2 then, and he's not in 7-3, then he would almost have to be in the expansion, whatever it's going to be. But part of me doesn't think that the next expansion will be Argus. Part of me thinks the next expansion will be dealing more. Because we've been getting a lot of old god hints in this expansion. So many. And there is another planet do, possibility. They do that. Um, thing a lot uh, the astromancer fight joe talked about you you see an old god corrupted planet and uh they do the thing a lot they did a lot in warlords where there were tons of legion hints before we got legion and the, the amount of old god hints we're getting in this expansion makes me think we're going there next somehow i don't it's know it's entirely possible so so we'll see what happens i think if he doesn't show up in seven two or seven three i i don't know like why he wouldn't if he doesn't show up there and he doesn't show up in a legion expansion then i'm confused as to what they're doing with him and as for me i approve of rathion anytime he wants to show up i'm waiting i would like him to show up again he's great okay uh so yeah that about wraps us up if you've got any emails for lore watch go ahead and send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com put lore watch in the subject line and we will go ahead and answer them when we've got time to do another roundup thank you very much for listening you guys and we will see you in two weeks 